Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Last of Us Nerds podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jacob, joined, as always, by my good friend, Tom. For those of you returning, we're excited, as always, to have you back with us. For any new listeners, this is a spoiler-free weekly podcast recapping HBO's The Last of Us. Tom and I are two passionate fans of the game that are bringing that love to this podcast as we offer deep dives into each episode Compare it to the game and just talk about something we both care deeply about. Again, though, this is spoiler-free, so those of you that haven't played the game won't be in any danger. Now, let me welcome in Tom and have him explain to you the format of each episode. Jacob, I'm doing great. Um, I just had had some delicious venison stew. I have some leftover if you want any, but... Are you sure it's venison? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. That's what they told me, at least, so... Uh, yeah, welcome in everybody. Like we said, always, um, the vast majority of this podcast is going to be completely spoiler free. And when we get to spoilers at the end, we will do so very clearly and with several warnings. Um, we are huge fans of the game. As Jacob said, we're going to be diving deep on everything that happened within this episode. So full spoilers, obviously for this eighth episode, the penultimate episode of the first season, but we are primarily focused on what is actually happening, what's happening with the characters, what's happening with the plot, the decisions that are being made. We are, of course, going to dive deep, as we always do, on all the ways that it adapts and changes and differs and enriches and everything that has to do with this portion of the game. But we're not going to spoil anything that's going to happen in the finale or any potential future seasons that are obviously coming. So we only got one episode left, Jacob. What did you think of this episode? Episode eight, when we are in need, it is, I mean, as, as with every episode of the last of us, an emotional episode, a much darker one than I think, uh, pretty much any episode, certainly a dark episode, regardless however you want to compare it, but emotional and, and, uh, a new perspective that we'll, we'll talk about, but, um, it was, in terms of the adaptation, it was great. There was a lot of stuff from the game in here, but uh, another episode that, I mean, not a shock that I really enjoyed. So uh, I'm, I'm just going to say it. Molotov hot take. And I know that we've done this several times, but honestly, this is what happens when a really good show hits its stride. To me, this is the clear best episode so far. Wow. To me, this is quintessential The Last of Us. It is dark. It is upsetting. It is suspenseful. It is thrilling. It is emotional. And as always, it's rooted in these characters that feel very real, very complex, and very compelling. This is obviously a hugely iconic stretch of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we told you last week, we're like, okay, there's two episodes left. This one episode is going to be this and one episode is going to be the finale. We knew that this stretch was the David slash winter arc from the game. It is such a pivotal moment for several reasons. One of which is this is the first time you play as Ellie. So throughout the whole game, you play as Sarah in the very beginning at at the start of the prologue. And then at one point you switch over to Joel carrying Sarah. And then from that point on to this point, basically you are playing as Joel. And they actually even straight up lied about this in promotion of the game, where they tease The Last of Us. They're like, oh, it's about these two characters, Joel and Ellie. You're going to love them, blah, blah, blah. 
and people would ask Neil and Naughty Dog, oh, okay, so do you ever play as Ellie? And they would lie. They said, nope, yeah, you definitely don't. It's just Joel the whole time. And this section of the game, the roles are so reversed of Joel protecting Ellie, where Ellie now has to protect Joel. Ellie has to fend for herself. And this is something that certainly we were looking forward to for a long time. It has probably the biggest villain, I would say, of The Last of Us, the video game. Uh, which is David. Uh, I want to I want to get your thoughts on that for sure. We we get to see some dark sides of both Ellie and Joel. We're going to talk for sure about that. Bella Ramsey was terrifying at points, and I love it. But let's talk about David, Jacob. What what did you think of Scott Shepard and and this rendition of David? I would add one thing about you mentioning that this is one of the only times you play as Ellie. The way the game plays out as well it adds to the suspense as to whether joel is alive because you play as ellie and you think oh well that's it joel's gone which we kind of mentioned last week the the game has a lot more suspense to it with whether joel is alive that wasn't there in the show but yeah david oh man it was um we weren't sure how far they were going to go with this because he was I guess, creepy, dark, evil, whatever word you want to use. He was very much that in the game. They held nothing back. They turned it all the way up. There was, I mean, they even went a a little above and beyond, I think, uh, what he was in the game. And yeah, you want to talk about villains of The Last of Us. In the game, nobody uh, came close to David, and that certainly has been the case so far. And uh, the show is that, man, uh, he was everything you imagined he would be and even more probably. So I had no idea what to expect. To be honest, I don't think I had ever heard of Scott Shepard um, going into this. Re- I, I think I even looked it up. I'm like, nope, I don't think I've seen that. I don't think I've seen that. So I was really not familiar, had absolutely no idea what to expect. I got to say, they killed this casting. Uh, he was terrifying <laughs> yeah. and creepy. And I've already watched a good number of reactions and he invoked the same thing, which is from the start, from like the first 15 minutes of the episode before, you know, of just like there's something off about this guy and you can't quite put a finger on it. But it's he just he gives you the heebie jeebies. and He's really creepy. So this is a character that in the game is voiced by Nolan North, who is another video game casting icon honestly i'm shocked they haven't tried to find a way to sneak him into the show uh maybe in season two we'll see but he is best known for playing the protagonist of naughty dog's other modern day gaming huge series which is uncharted uh he plays nathan drake in that which was recently adopted into a movie starring tom holland which uh which no one actually cameoed in and it was such a surprise i don't know about you but i did not know that was i had played uncharted to at that point, and I knew who Nolan North was, and I knew who Nathan Drake was, and I played this stretch of the game, and I had absolutely no idea that was Nolan North. And then when the credits rolled, it was like Nolan North, David, what? <laughs> because yeah. he he gives just such a different, creepy, different voice, uh, different performance. Um, I think the character of David is. Super interesting because to me, this this is much more of a realistic portrayal of what evil really looks like, right? It's not 
mustache twirling person that wants to murder everyone just because, although of course those exist, but here's someone who doesn't actually want to kill people. He's probably the only person in the episode that's not trying to kill someone, ironically enough. Uh, here's someone who is a narcissist, who is drunk on power, who's drunk on the feeling of other people needing him. He wants to be adored. He wants to be worshipped. He wants to be loved. He has this twisted, demented view of what love is. Someone who's violent toward a little girl when he feels disrespected just because his ego can't handle it. Someone who's willing to use religion to manipulate people. Someone with a God complex. He's just, uh, he he's for all those reasons, he's a very compelling villain, but also just someone that you absolutely hate. And I think, I think mission accomplished. I think people hate him. It evokes a certain type of like emotional reaction to to him that, Maybe like you said, the the mustache twirling evil villain wouldn't uh, in the same way in that there's been big bads that have even in this season uh, have been around. But nobody kind of evokes that emotional response. Like you said, watching reactions, even in the game, it was a lot of the same of just like you're almost uncomfortable with him on screen. And I think especially show especially so in the show. Uh, that as, as it goes on your, it just, you, you know, that when he's on screen it like not, there is nothing good that's going to happen. And it almost makes you like physically cringe. So tremendous job from Scott Shepard for making everyone physically cringe, I guess. We also got our boy, Troy Baker, AKA Joel from the video game. If you hadn't heard right now, I'm sure a thousand people on the internet have told you that he played Joel in the video game. And he was James in this episode, the tall guy with blue eyes that caught a cleaver to the neck via Ellie. Um, it was really cool to see him. We're excited to see Ashley Johnson, which I don't think it's a spoiler because they've said she's in this show and there's one episode left. We're going to see her next week because we haven't <laughs> seen her yet. Uh, really excited to see her. But how cool was it seeing Troy in the flesh? Yeah, I what I appreciate that they did as well is that, and they said they were going to do this. This wasn't going to be just like a random cameo where he's just like in the background somewhere and you're like, oh, look, it's Troy Baker. He's like front and center of this episode right next to uh, David the whole way. So it was awesome to see him in it. Uh, I didn't love that I had to root against him, but he went out. We'll talk about it later. He went out in a very badass way. Uh, well, it, well, yeah, well, for, certainly from from Ellie being a badass for sure. But yeah. uh, also he um, yeah, he, he was great. Thought he chewed up every line. We love Troy and obviously we love his portrayal of Joel. Uh, there's some ways we're going to talk about that later, but very cool to see him. Excited to see Ashley. The one other thing of note, and we've kind of been mentioning this throughout. There's a lot of dialogue that they kept from the game as well. And we'll mention some of the specifics uh, in the game, but. I th I know we keep mentioning this, but I think this is also kind of why we always were super excited to see this as a show, just because so much of this dialogue can just be translated straight to a TV show and be as captivating. And it's not just like small little lines, like they're big conversations and like Ellie and uh, David's conversation had a lot of stuff that was just straight from the the game. So I was excited. I'm always excited to see how much they keep and anything they might change like that. But uh, just another example of, of how great the, the game is and why it was so great, because you can just take it straight to a TV show and it, it still works. 
Furthermore from that, and this is something we've talked about before, obviously, but I think this episode even further reinforces why this needed to be a series and, and not a movie, but also why the source material was so, especially for the first game, we'll, we'll talk about it if that's going to be the same for the second game, but the first game is so clearly into these chunks that could be such great television episodes. And I thought this episode was such a perfect example of that. If like, this is one whole winter David arc in the game and it worked perfectly to me as an episode of television. Um, one slight crafting up. So the episode title, right. When we are in need, we looked at that and we're like, what is that? Like, I don't, I don't even get when I, and then I was replaying the game recently. Um, that banner that is in the steakhouse of when we are in need, he shall provide. That's actually in the game. I don't think I ever really thought about it much, but they never really, we're going to talk about this. They never really talk about the religion aspect of things much, but also I just, I don't feel like that. They don't even say that was words outline. I don't feel like that was much of a time. I, I would have rather it is called this episode winter or David, <laughs> like something as simple as that. Cause I feel like th- this portion of the game is just referred to by most people as winter. And maybe you couldn't do that because it was still winter sort of when they showed up in Jackson, but um, spawn that pick there, but anything- I didn't notice. I didn't notice it as well until, so I watched the episode and then I went back and watched parts of the game on YouTube. And I, that today was the first time I noticed that banner. So yeah, it, it's and like you said, we'll discuss it in a bit, but Religion is definitely not something they touched on in the game and not nearly as heavy handed as they did in the show. Ready to get into it? Let's get emotional. Part one. Everything happens for a reason. In a nearby town to Joel and Ellie, a man named David is reading scripture to his group, which is mourning the loss of a man named Alec, whom we later learn is the guy that shanked Joel with Sammy Sosa's bat shards before getting his neck snapped. A girl about Ellie's age named Hannah, Alec's daughter, asks David when they can bury him, and he tells her that they will bury Eric in the Alec in the spring as the ground is too cold to dig right now. David walks with his right-hand man, James, who, as we mentioned, is played by our guy Troy Baker, a.k.a. the original Joel. James says they don't have much meat left, maybe a week or two, but that someone did think they recently saw some deer nearby. David asks James about a possible lack of faith he senses in him, and James says he still believes. In David? In God? Unclear, but he says that the last six months have been hard. Back in our favorite Colorado suburban basement, Ellie is attempting to nurse Joel back to health, but they are running out of food, and Joel's stitched-up wound is infected. Without antibiotics, he is likely going to die. Ellie ventures out to hunt and chases a rabbit, but trips and falls flat on her face. More on that later. She spots a deer and slowly lines up the shot, just like Joel taught her. She hits him, but he runs away. David and James happen upon the deer, now dead, and they decide to take it and go, but Ellie has the drop on them. They drop their rifles. Ellie commands them to walk away, but David introduces himself, tells Ellie the truth, that they're from a larger group with women and children, and they're all very hungry. Fact check, true. David proposes they trade her for some of the deer, and Ellie asks if they have medicine to help fight infections. Turns out they do, and David instructs James to fetch two bottles of penicillin, which he leaves to do. Ellie removes the bullets from the rifles and agrees to David's suggestion that they take shelter and start a fire while they wait. David asks Ellie her name, but she doesn't tell him. 
David tells her that there's room for her in his group. Oh, you're inviting me to your hunger club? Thanks. David reveals that he is the group's leader, which he says was their choice, not his, and that he's a preacher. Ellie mocks him for still believing in that shit after the world has ended. David says, quote, I actually started believing after the world ended. David tells her that he used to be a math teacher for kids around Ellie's age, which somehow tops the mouth tendrils for the award of grossest lore edition that the show has made. David says he was in the Pittsburgh QZ when it fell six years ago and left that with a group that wandered for a long time, picking up new people along the way until they eventually made their way here to the Silver Lake Resort in Colorado. David tells Ellie that he believes everything happens for a reason, and he can prove it to her. He says he recently sent out four people from his group to scavenge a nearby town, and only three came back. One had been murdered by, quote, this crazy man. And get this, that crazy man was traveling with a little girl. You see, everything happens for a reason. Without breaking eye contact with Ellie, David tells James to lower the gun, and we see that Troy Baker has returned with his sidearm, and it's aimed at Ellie. James expresses his disapproval of giving Ellie the penicillin and allowing Ellie to leave, but he does as he's ordered. You won't survive for long out there. I can protect you, David says to Ellie, as she flees with the penicillin. So... Should we talk about the, the money murder or the, or the sawmill part first, Jacob? What do you think? Let's talk money murder because that's what leads off this uh, this section of the game. Mailbag from Casey says, the only moment of gameplay I had seen prior to watching the show was the viral bunny reaction. How did you feel about the way the show handled the bunny? That's right, Jacob. This show has been criticized <laughs> for taking beloved things and then taking them away from people in cruel, horrible ways. And they didn't give us this bunny murder. So to set the stage, like we said, the the cliffhanger of Joel's fate is handled so much differently in the game. So he gets uh, stuck through a big thing of rebar, gets ripped out. Ellie has to fight her way through a bunch of people to get them to the horse. Joel falls off the horse. Ellie pleads with Joel. He blacks out. The screen goes black. And at that point, you're in fall. And then the screen just says winter. And it it cuts to winter snowy snowy Colorado and you see this adorable little bunny hop out of a hole and it shakes off some snow off of its ears and then it takes an arrow right through the neck uh, and you're zoomed in on that picture as you see that Ellie is hunting for food and you don't know that Joel's alive. That's when you realize you're playing as Ellie until uh, she meets David and what she says she wants is medicine. So we were wondering last week if they were going to just completely leave us hanging. Uh, and not reveal it till the medicine. How do you feel about the way they handled it? Kill the bunny, you cowards! Um, <laughs> they, uh, there. I mean, obviously, there was the homage to it as she's chasing down the bunny and falls. I mean, I understand the logistics of not actually killing a bunny on on a TV show, but it 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 it's an iconic moment because of the viral clip. I think, but uh, kill the bunny, you cowards! Just it was right there. It was so easy to do. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's a, the exact noise. If you guys haven't seen the, uh, we'll tweet it clip, out. Yeah, I'll, it, I'll, I'll tweet out the video tomorrow. Yeah, just head to our uh, timeline and look because it is, uh, it's the emotional side of uh, Last of Us where you think Joel is dead, and then it shows you this bunny, 
and you're it's immediately killed. It's a great clip, but yeah, uh, I was hoping when they showed the bunny that like, oh, they're gonna do it. Then they let the bunny get away. What the hell, Last of Us? Yeah, I was watching with my brother, and as as soon as like Ellie was finishing around the woods, and we're like, all right, show. This is your chance. Declare once and for all. Are you pro or anti bunny murder? <laughs> and they were anti. But anyway, uh, so I, I would say in terms of a, a plot um, moment, I, I'd say the biggest cut from this section of the game that did not make it into the show is at this sequence where David instructs James to go get the penicillin. He does so. During that time when he's gone, um, Ellie and David are set upon by a group of infected. Now, I understand that, first of all, a lot of these moments that we tell that we talk to the audience about, obviously, it's a video game. Sometimes they just inject this stuff in there, right? Of like, okay, and then what happens after this emotional scene? Uh, you have to kill some bandits or you have to get through a group of infected or so on and so forth. However, um, this part of the game definitely served a purpose. And that was, of course, to trick you into thinking David was trustworthy because during this section of the game, David is what we call in the gaming world an NPC, where you're not playing as him, but he's actually helping you out as you fight through this group of infected. There are very clear moments where if David did not intervene, Ellie would have died. And they still sort of accomplished that with some different moments later in, in, in the show. But there was like a clicker that clearly would have killed Ellie in the game. And there's just something about gameplay. And again, this is something that maybe they couldn't have replicated the same sort of feeling. But there's something about... You being a character and fighting through an obstacle like infected and having someone actually help you out that naturally makes you trust that person a little bit more than you would have before. Because the first you're like, I don't know what this guy. Oh, wait. OK, he saved my life. Um, and that's something that they still could have done in the show. They could have had this infected where David saves her and so on and so forth. I, I don't think it would have worked quite the same way, but I do think it was really notable from the game and, and a moment worth talking about. Yeah, they're basically bonded by killing zombies together and having to like protect each other in a way. There's even a bloater during this section. Bloaters are far more common in the game than they are the show. The show it, it has only had the one, and they're spread throughout in the game a little bit more. But it was a more practical choice uh, to not have them. I think they mentioned it in the official podcast that uh, you can't really have it would have led to different consequences if you just have infected kind of running around. And um, there isn't even like in the game, anything that like sets them off. There's not like a loud noise that draws them to it. They just kind of show up. So there would have been some hoops to jump through to do that. I understand why they didn't do it, but yeah. And it's that scene, that kind of gameplay that you do build some trust for David and you think, Oh, well maybe he actually is a good guy, which uh, you quickly find out that is not the case. I do think it's interesting and, and worth pointing out, though, that now this this is uh, almost several episodes at this point that have gone like completely without infected. Um, I don't really feel strongly one way or the other. I've saw some people saying, "Oh, this is good." I don't. I know my mom is a big fan of that. She doesn't like the infected, so she's a, she's a fan when they don't show up. Um, I saw Grace Randolph was talking about it from the on the trailer and. She seemed to think like, hey, show you're kind of dropping the ball here by not having more of these infected. This is what this is what a lot of you know people like. That's why The Walking Dead had like 20 fucking seasons, you know. Um, <laughs> but I do think it's somewhat surprising. So you think 
the the second half of the pilot, which was initially one episode, everything after Outbreak Day, there's there's no infected in that one. Um, in episode three, you only get one infected, and it's not a threat. He's trapped under rubble. Episode four, I believe, has no infected. Episode five has a ton. That was obviously the most that we got. Episode six, again, does not have any infected. Episode seven only has one, and then this episode has none. So how do you feel about the relative lack of infected uh, in this zombie-adjacent story? I think it works because of the stakes they raise. or When they have infected, like, bad things happen. Like, the handful of times we've seen them, the... The second episode, we saw a couple and Tess dies. The left behind one, we see one and Riley dies. So, like, they've established, and then obviously the Kansas City one where, like, everybody dies. But uh, they've established that, like, it doesn't take a lot for these infected to win, I guess, or bite you or attack you or or whatnot. So, you know the stakes are there. I I don't think... um, that has changed anything, but I also think that a lot of times this kind of game or show is kind of misclassified as a zombie show. It's always been so much more than that. Um, that's kind of what probably gets a lot of the, uh, people who aren't all that familiar with it to tune in or maybe to play the game. But, uh, and the game obviously has a lot more, but, this has always been so, so much more than a zombie show. So yeah, honestly, I didn't even realize how few times we'd seen infected until you mentioned it. Yeah. A lot of people would be like, Oh, is that that zombie game? I'm like, no, it's the ball your fucking eyes out game. As you (laughs) repeatedly get traumatized by the story of these characters. Um, One thing that obviously I think this episode does a very interesting job. I mentioned, I mentioned that the title of the episode honestly could have just been winter, but (laughs) I'm such a spoiled um, first world problem here, but like, it really makes me think about like, fuck like, yeah, wait, yeah. Winter does suck. That that would be awful if you didn't have like a grocery store that you could go down and get all your food at. Like, wait, nothing's growing. Uh, All the, all the game is run away because it's too cold. And obviously it sets the stage for this very desperate group of people that are making some very difficult choices um surrounding that we're, we're going to talk obviously more later but i i, I thought the show did uh you know in, in the game they talk about how the winter's been cruel and ellie's hunting and david and james are hunting but that first scene and 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 then like the the scene which is like ellie but just like the little scraps of food uh, i thought they did a good job of sort of setting the stakes for how desperate this setting is right now what do you think it is. I, I also think you can notice it just looking at the people in the town. What like during the the two things that I I thought of were when they return with the deer and they're kind of panning around and looking at people and nobody looks like they're in particularly good shape. But then immediately after he says David says grace and just the immediate clinking of the bowls and how quickly everybody is eating up the little bit that they have. I think are, are good indicators of yeah, how desperate the situation is, how desperate they are for food. And and then as you mentioned, Ellie is she has what would be like a crumb to us that she splits into like three different pieces to feed herself and try to feed Joel. But 
this section does show kind of the harsh realities of of winter and again something you may not think of um otherwise but yeah if you don't have some of the basic needs then winter gets really really tough especially a cruel winter as they say there is a lot more religion involved in this we start off the episode with him reading a scripture it's far more of a cult i think in that regard than it is in the game i think it it's somewhat portrayed as a cult in the game but not as much as it is and i think religion does play a a big part of that and him standing under the sign that we've mentioned also plays a part of that but it was an interesting decision to bring more religion into it. They certainly don't read like any scripture or anything like that in the game. So I thought it was an interesting decision to include that. What did you think of kind of involving religion and I think making it seem more like a cult in that regard? Well, what I was going to say is I would say the most memorable exchange about religion in the game. I don't even think we talked about this. I could be wrong. Uh, actually happens between Ellie and Sam uh before sam turns and again we mentioned how all the ways that that was different sam never reveals to ellie that he's infected or you're bitten or anything like that but one thing he asks her and it's it sort of starts that way, way with the game where he asks about like what if people are still trapped inside their bodies without like getting control like is that still you in there and you just don't have any control like what's happening there um, and then he says henry says says that they're with their families like in heaven do you think that's true? He asks Ellie and Ellie says, I mean, I like to believe it. Um, Sam's like, but you don't. And Ellie says, I guess not. And that's, and it's sort of sad because obviously Sam was looking for some sort of, you know, he was looking for comfort in that moment. He wanted to sort of cling to that idea, but that's really one of the only mentions of religion, I would say in the game. And, and that didn't quite make it up, which I think makes sense for with, with how young Sam was and, um, I thought they handled that conversation well, obviously, but that that's really the only memorable mention of religion I can remember in the game. Yeah, it was, I was trying to find that, um, that section Sam, uh, Henry says that they've moved on that they're with their families. Like in heaven, do you think that's true? And Ellie says, I go back and forth. I mean, I'd like to believe it. Sam says, but you don't. And Ellie says, I guess not. That's the the only mention. You don't need of, to look it up. I'm an encyclopedia right here, Jacob. I, uh, I got, I the I got that it. quote for our uh, <laughs> for our devoted listeners. Uh, but it was the only. Yeah, that's the only mention of any kind of religion. So I think the the show was trying to and successfully did make them look like more of a cult. It's hard not to do that without invoking some sort of religion, and in without kind of making David portray himself as kind of this godlike figure in the game. He's definitely their leader. I don't know that he portrays himself necessarily like a godlike figure, but he absolutely does do that in the show. No, I was, I was going to mention this earlier, but definitely the, the town is, you can tell from various bits of like dialogue as you're like roaming around, like killing people or sneaking around. The town at this point is sort of fed up with David. 
And they're like, he's their leader, but they're like about ready to like call a town meeting, especially with this whole ordeal with Ellie and him like going too far and and, and stuff. They're they're like about ready to vote him out of leadership, basically. Um, But definitely he's scarier in this sense. He has much more control over the group. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are more scared of him for sure. And uh, yeah, that it, it just further... Uh, heightens him as a very scary villain. It's also interesting to compare David's civilization to Jackson. I mean, we, two episodes ago, we just see Jackson. And what was this same cruel winter? And there, there's only a, I mean, we don't know exactly, a couple hundred miles difference between Jackson and uh, wherever David's civilization is. Um but you see that Jackson is thriving and everyone, not just that everyone's happy, but that nobody's like desperate or starving or anything like that. And compare that to David's group who is very much not in that situation. It's um, it's an interesting kind of comparison and dichotomy between the two sides. The other thing of note, I think, is that in the show, Ellie's a, a lot less independent. I think it's something we mentioned um, or, or previously. We might have mentioned it in the spoiler section. In the game, she knows how to hunt. We mentioned the bunny scene. Um, I mean, she's hunting with a bow and arrow in the game. And she's presumably gotten them food along the way. In the show, she very much does not know how to hunt. Uh, and they even, well, they, the hunting part, maybe. I mean, they mentioned it in the, in the previous episode. It was, she didn't know how to like skin the, the animal and actually like sure. turn the animal into food, basically. So this is the question is obviously there's, there's, there's some unaccounted for off screen time, right? Between like when, when they're getting to Jackson, she's like, pestering joel to teach her how to hunt mm-hmm. i i don't know i i sort of more read it as during those days from the trip from jackson to the university he did teach her and like part of that was that they had the shooting scene where he showed her how to you know uh get get the rifle pregnant but um uh, at least that was my read and i i thought she was she's doing it successfully here she uh, she found, obviously she tripped and fell on her face, but you know what? That happens, but <laughs> she lined up the shot. She shot the deer. She tracked it to its location without alerting the other two people that were nearby. She got the drop on them, got them to lower the guns. I, 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 I thought she did pretty good. Do you think she's more helpless in the show than she is in the game? I don't know if helpless is no. the right word. They they um they make clear that she has a competency with bow with a bow and arrow, um before this stretch of the game. But obviously, it's probably partly because they knew that you were going to be playing as Ellie. So it's yeah. like it's try, trying to make it not like completely inexplicable that all of a sudden this girl kicks ass at shooting and you know that hadn't been doing much before, et cetera, et cetera. But um no, I, I thought that was fine. And, uh, I mean, we mentioned it already. Um, uh, Troy, I was going to say Joel is in this. Troy Baker is in this uh, episode. We get a Buddy Boy reference. How excited buddy were you boy. for that? I was rooting for it. Um, I uh, One th- one thing that was interesting during this stretch is that 
it, at first I was not into Bella's portrayal of this scene. I was like, what, what, are, what are you doing? Like, why, why, why are you, why are you making your voice like that? Like Star Lord, are you make are you making your voice deeper? <laughs> um, but now I sort of love it because I saw how scary she was later in the episode, and it's fun now to like contrast Ellie trying to be scary versus what happens with David and how cornered she becomes makes her scary. I think that that's a really interesting contrast now. But I, I, at first, I was like, why, why are you do that? Why are you making your voice deeper? But um, I also loved Ashley Johnson's uh, portrayal of, of the scene and, and how she how she calls him Buddy Boy. Like, no, Buddy Boy can go get it. He comes back with what I need. The deer is all yours. Uh, and then when Dave's like, oh, you'll put one right between my eyes. And Ashley's like, that's right. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, love Ashley. Uh, but I, I thought that was an inter- interesting choice. I, I think a very intentional choice on, on Bella's part to try and make Ellie seem scary and it not working at first yeah her dropping her voice and whatnot she did all the right things as you said told them to drop their guns cleared the bullets out of the guns. so fair play i guess there probably is some unaccounted for off-screen time that maybe i didn't account for uh let's talk about david and ellie and their kind of first interaction i think david is pretty immediately drawn to ellie uh i mean i i think he pretty much I don't know if right away he realizes that she's the one that killed Alec well, or her and Joel, but I think he definitely sees through her large group or when she says she's with a large group, kind of that lie, which wasn't entirely difficult to see through. But um, it was a, an interesting first interaction and him being far more willing to trade something with her versus James's kind of apprehension to trading and, and thinking that. David speaking in some code or something like that. Uh, what did you think of just kind of David and Ellie in the first meeting that they have right there? Uh, I thought deciding to make David a teacher who taught people around Ellie's age was so, I mentioned it earlier, but that's just, oh, it's so, it's like a bone chilling thought because especially as he sort of explains later that, he was he struggled with that and oh and then the end of the world showed him that oh this is this is good like this is how it's supposed to be it's just it's so fucking sick uh in the bad in the bad way um but i yeah no it was a good scene uh i liked the way scott shepherd delivered this uh, scene where again he's like seeming good but there's still like something a little off like i mentioned earlier um but yeah, it, like you said, I, I think he's de- he's definitely has an immediate gross uh, attraction to Ellie in more ways than one. And I think that's apparent. It's also interesting that Ellie kind of gets suckered in a little bit by David. She kind of lower, lowers her defenses a little bit. She's definitely... Um, in her, at first, she's not. And uh, it's very funny in hindsight to... Uh, she references their group as, is this a weird cult thing? I mean, yeah, it was, but as he continues talking and talking about himself and, um, talk, I I think as they sit down around the fire at the very least, that's when he realized that's who killed Alec. If he didn't know immediately, but as he's talking to her, telling him about how he was a teacher, telling him about the story of Alec and whatnot, I, I, I think Craig Mazin 
uh, kind of summarized it well on the official podcast and that Ellie's so kind of suckered in that she realizes about three seconds too late that she that David is talking about her, which I mean, at that point, James's guns pointed on her like we mentioned, David is one of the only people that doesn't want her dead or otherwise she's a goner. Uh, so I think that spoke to maybe a little bit to David's, I don't know if it's an ability, but kind of how he became a leader in that regard is that he's able to kind of get these, get people to maybe lower their defenses a little bit just by the way he talks to them. What did, uh, there? there's obviously one last kind of big quote that, uh, comes up as well. Uh, everything happens for a reason. Uh, what do you uh, kind of think about that quote? I don't mean to offend anybody, but anyone who has ever said that quote has always bothered me. <laughs> I, I like. I'm much more a subscriber to the "shit happens" belief than everything happens for a reason. I don't mean to uh, to mock people of faith or people that try to cling to some sort of cosmic. Uh, justification for traumatic things that have happened or anything like that. Um, but I very much have not prescribed to that belief ever. So the first time that I saw David say that the game, that, that, that was one moment where I was like, Oh ew, uh, no, I don't like this guy. Um, and of course, like right after that, you find out that, uh, you know, that he is part of a group that had uh, a, a bad previous interaction with Joel and Ellie. But this is also an, a, a pivotal moment from the game because this is, one of the first times I can recall a game really doing this to you where you're confronted by people that knew and loved the people you had just been murdering a few, you know, a couple hours ago. Uh, and that is a really interesting thing. And it, it, like I said, a lot of the humanization of the people in the Kansas city slash can slash Pittsburgh part didn't happen also although small nod to the game here where he says he was from the pittsburgh qz which as we talked about was the kansas city part but this was really jarring to be like oh wait oh oh fuck you were you're with the guys that were in the university um which also big canon change because it's just one guy alec and canonically in the game you've probably killed like over a dozen people uh (laughs) from this group because it's it's not only the same group that you deal with at the university. And not only do Ellie and Joel and more specifically, Ellie have to clear out a lot as they're getting Joel out of there, but also it's the same group that you fight when you're in the present day version of left behind with Ellie in the mall, you're killing more people from that group. So by this point you've killed a shit ton of people. Uh, And David's just like the others had been slaughtered by a crazy man traveling with a little girl and I, I feel like that uh, that was that was a big more like, oh, shit moment for me in the game than it probably was for people in the show. Um, but just because, again, I, I had been killing them. You know, it's a little <laughs> bit different of a dynamic. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting. I enjoy how much they humanize the the villain. They don't do like this is one of the few moments they do it in the first game. It's something they do uh in the second game just by giving kind of the random npcs names that we mentioned before pour pour one out for brian but um in this moment it was very much kind of a gasp when you realize that oh we've been killing his people but i also thought in the show we don't meet alex's family (laughs) so like having his daughter and presumably i think wife there is 
uh, talking to them a couple different times and whatnot was another interesting way of kind of humanizing even the bad, the villains, the big bads in this as well. For sure. It, it's, it's also different, right? It's like, oh, there's this one specific person who people are thinking about and cared about and his daughter's there and uh, they maybe eat him, which we'll talk about later um, and, and and all that. But also, I, I agree with uh, one of my buddies on Twitter, Patrick, messaged me and he said that this this episode reinforced his complaint about episode six, which was that the university sequence did not last long enough. And more specifically, I think now thinking back on it, definitely the sequence I wish we had gotten more of is like Ellie needing to fight their way out to get to the horse in the university. Like we talked about, it was such a cool sequence of the game as you're just you're almost like a passenger in Joel's body watching Ellie do this shit. Um, I now I feel like I wish we had had that just because I feel like it would be further you know, further, further cause for this, uh, these, these people, but obviously they wanted to focus on one specific guy, but I get it. It would have definitely created more of that aha moment, I think, in this specific conversation. For sure. Ready for part two? Let's uh, eat some quote unquote venison. Part two, venison, everyone's favorite meat. Back in the house, Ellie has absolutely no idea where to stick Joel with the syringe of penicillin, but uh, makes her best guess, which is pretty much directly on the wound. Back at Davidstown, a man brings Joyce, who is Hannah's mom and presumably Alec's widow or significant other, a bucket of chopped meat. She works in the kitchen. She asks what it is, and the man lies, telling her it's venison, which I suppose is probably easier than being like, it's your hubby. Here you go. Chop chop it up. Uh, you know, put it in the stew. The camera lingers on a shot of dumping the meat into the stew pot. David brings in the deer from their encounter with Ellie. And yeah, they're definitely not eating venison because they didn't have that yet. David tells the group that they ran into a girl that was with the man that killed Alec. And tomorrow they'll hunt him down to bring Joel to justice. Hannah says that David should kill both of them. And David softly smiles before striking her with his backhand. Joyce stands up, but David motions for her to sit back down. And she does. David walks over to Hannah and offers her hand, forcing her effectively to take it. David tells Hannah she will always have a father and that she will show him respect when he's speaking. David chooses to sit down next to Hannah and Joyce brings David the biggest plate of food. He says grace and they all dine on Alec Pomodoro. The next day, Ellie gives Joel another dose of penicillin. David, James, and others set out to track Ellie and Joel down. David tells James they will bring Ellie back with them, which James does not approve of, saying she'll just be another mouth to feed. And when David says she'll die if they don't bring her in, James says maybe that's God's will. And David slowly turns and stares down James. Only one guy around here is deciding what God's will is, and it ain't God, let alone James. It's David. Ellie, having seen them, wakes a dazed Joel up and puts Brian with a wise knife in Joel's hands. There are men coming. I'm going to lead them away from you, but if anyone makes it down here, you fucking kill them. You got it? Joel, operating at about 1% battery, somehow does get it. <laughs> Ellie gets on her horse, yells, Hey, motherfuckers, to David and company before firing two shots at them and fleeing. Alive, David yells. James lines up a good shot and kills the horse knocking Ellie to the ground and concussing her. James and others walk up to her 
and they encourage James to execute her, but David fires his gun in the air as a warning, and they stop. David picks Ellie up, commands some of the group to drag the horse back to the camp, and tells the rest to go door to door until they find Joel. You're so hungry for vengeance? Deliver it, David says. And David walks back to town carrying his prize. Joel, at his absolute bare minimum power levels, is in listening mode, and he hears someone enter the house. And Joel, in some of the best video gaming done to date on the series, gets an excellent stealth kill with Brian with a wise knife. Triangle, triangle, baby. And that is part two. So, Jacob, we've talked about it a little bit. I'm going to put you on the spot. Cannibalism. Morality vibe check time. Uh, Your people in the group have died. It is a cruel and brutal winter. You're running out of food. People are going to starve. Would you eat someone? Don't think I could have eaten Alec. I I think I might have drawn the line there. Uh, um, I... uh, Look, they put him in a nice tomato sauce. They put him in a nice stew. Eh, we'll discuss the stew in a minute. I wouldn't describe that as a as a nice stew, but uh, I, I yeah, heard it got glowing reviews. I don't think. Uh, basically, morality vibe check on cannibalism. It is bad. It's not passing the vibe check for you. Not passing the vibe check on my. <laughs> okay, end. I get it. Um, I do. I do think it's. It's sort of interesting, and this whole group and the way that they've depicted them, I think, is yet another example of the dangers of tribalism, which they've talked about a lot, obviously, and this obviously is a big theme of this story, of viewing and categorizing people as evil, as a threat, etc. And obviously, we get to spend enough time with David in this episode to know that he is not a good person. However, it would probably be very easy for someone to get a snapshot of this group and say, oh, these are some fucked up people. They're evil. They're eating people, etc." But as we learn, it's, and, and this is really one of the, I think the fundamental truths of this story. And one of the ideas it leans behind is that the entire human experience is subjective. And a, I, you know, you tell me, did, uh, did Joyce seem evil? Did Hannah seem evil? Did the people that Joel fucks up later seem evil? Does James seem evil? I would say almost certainly no. And it's sort of an interesting choice they make that clearly only a few people know that they're eating people. What what did you make of that choice? It was interesting. Even the few people that knew, I don't know how much they agreed with it. Like you can see James when they talk about um, huge bearing- crisis of faith. Yeah. And when they talk about burying um, Alec and David kind of glances over to James, which we now know is they they can't bury him. But uh, James doesn't look proud about why they can't bury him. So and then, as you mentioned, as as he is leaving that meeting, he he David talks about how um, that kind of crisis of faith, as you said, and that he isn't sure if he still believes in him and, and things like that. So uh, I, I think certainly the people that probably didn't know probably aren't evil, um, especially in a post-apocalyptic world. You kind of have to uh, maybe you have to stay with a group like that to survive, especially during the winter. 
but it, it's it's another one of those instances where you can't paint everyone black and white, good or bad. That there is still a lot of gray area in there, and I think outside not- of of David and maybe a, a couple of the leaders, I think a lot of people probably fall in that gray area. So I'm gonna put it a different way: is not telling people that they're eating people is in this situation where they're starving and there's no other way that let, like, let's buy that as, as a truth, which it seems like it, that there's no other way this group is going to survive unless they do that is not telling them a kindness or does that make it more fucked up? Because it's pretty fucked up that Hannah's eating her dad. Yeah. It but is. it's also like, would you want to know? I, I mean, no, I would not want to know, but, uh, I, I mean, it's just kind of different levels of fucked up. Like, um, I, I, I don't know that I would ness. I mean, do we really think they did everything possible to, uh, try to find something else before turning to cannibalism? Like which- we might have to edit out this whole section of the podcast lest we get, uh, get labeled as cannibalism sympathizers, but <laughs> <laughs> but more, like, more just trying to say they're making some very difficult decisions. Yeah. And clearly it is weighing on the people not named David and making those decisions. Uh, an interesting change from the game. It was one small little thing, but I think one powerful thing when Ellie returns to Joel in the game, she injects the penicillin uh, and then lays down beside him. He's laying on the mattress. She puts the her sleep or her uh, backpack down and lays down beside him. She does put an arm kind of over him to kind of show you that kind of level of affection. But uh, in the show, it is much different. She obviously lays down directly on top of him, head on his chest, and he kind of lays his head on her head. It is another level of how I think maybe more connected show Ellie and Joel are at least to this point than maybe in the game. What'd you think of kind of that subtle change? I didn't, I I mean, I mostly viewed it as almost the same thing as game. So I didn't think too much of it, of just, you know, Joel Ellie's in the game. She's, she's just like lying on her backpack as a pillow and just has her hand like over Joel. But yeah, it was just a little, you know, 10% cuter of them, you know, just a little, a little bit more uh, snuggled together, which is good, obviously for warmth. Uh, etc. But yeah, I didn't didn't think too much of it. But one thing that obviously Mason talks about uh, and is notable is regarding penicillin. They pointed it out in the cold open of the pilot comes from a fungus. Mm-hmm. Don't think I knew that before the show, but it's true. Uh, and it also raises the, the question with Ellie of uh, how much penicillin do you give someone, Jacob? Do you know? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, where do you stick it? Do you stick it in the vein? Do you stick it around the wound? Uh, I, I, w- I probably would have been just as helpless as Ellie in that moment. I also, I don't, I also thought of the fact that like, there's no shot. She like sterilized that needle at all after she like injected him the first time, like at best, she maybe like wiped it off on her shirt or something. But, uh, there's a lot of things in there that she was just kind of yoloing and hoping for the best. And, it worked. He uh, maybe despite her best efforts, the wound cleaned up or cleared up a bit after I, overnight. I didn't even think about this. They sterilizing needles 
and you know trying to wash out a wound yet another failure of the federal educational system they are really racking <laughs> up a very difficult track record here uh let's talk about that venison we've mentioned it uh well quote unquote venison and the stew it was definitely not venison which uh i think even in the moment <laughs> the pause by the guy as he says venison might have raised some eyebrows uh, when he brought it to them, brother, that stew looked awful when they're dumping that uh, not venison into it. What do you think the Yelp review of that uh, restaurant is? You know, again, I'm, I'm tiptoeing around getting canceled. I didn't think it looked that awful. It, looked, it, it had like a nice tomato paste in it. Uh, you I know, should good- say at least when they're dumping the venison into it, or it's not venison. Well, it, was, like, it wasn't cooked yet. It was raw. Yeah, okay. Looked, uh, hey, everyone knows bad. that human is best served with a little bit of tomato and pretty rare overall. And then you may, okay, sorry, I'm going to stop. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, people in, so Troy, actually, I, I saw, I saw Troy talk about this where like his moment after eating it. I, which I initially viewed as like, oh my god, this is so fucked up. I can't believe I'm eating this. And he said he more performed it as, fuck, Alec tastes good. Which is so <laughs> fucked up. But, um, so I don't know, man. That's the only review that I have. That I can only go on Troy Baker's word. Well, I, maybe, I don't know. Maybe so. We, uh, we love Troy Baker in here, so maybe so. Uh, an interesting moment kind of around that. Is that is David smacking uh, Alex's daughter, and it, it's the it's smacking her, and then kind of in one motion, just turning and looking at her mother, and just kind of signaling her to sit down. Just shows what control he has over this group. It not, I mean, nobody uh, else like jumped up to her defense. Her mother even like retreated after she was told to, I thought that did a good job of showing uh, what power he has over this group. And then also, man, just offering her his hand to her uh, and her taking it is just like, just that scene of like, he smacked her and then like offered her hand and she took it to get back up was just, Oof, they did. That was such a great job of just showing what kind of authority he has over this group. I gasped when he hit her. Uh, I think that's when I knew that they were they were taking David a step further with his yeah darkness and intensity. I would say over the show or over the game version, in which in a lot of ways his his darkness really only like truly comes out like near the end in some ways. Um, and that they did a good job talking about it as always on the official podcast, but like, that's so fucking gross and manipulative the way that, and it felt so real of like this again, this guy, he, he, he wants adoration, but he also wanted to hit her. Like when I was rewatching, I saw he'd like fucking, he fucking smiles when he realizes he gets to hit her. That's so fucked up. And then him like stick out his hand, like, Hey, you're going to, you're going to take my hand and like, you're going to be like, Oh, you understand why I did that. Right. It is very sadistic in a, in a way that feels very real. 
And again, that's why uh, I thought he was a compelling villain. And in some ways he maybe hits uh, too close to home for some people, but it's just, uh, yeah, I thought this was a choice that made a lot of sense and it made him all the more fucked up. And we've kind of mentioned this, these, like a moment like this doesn't remotely exist in the game. And we talked, we mentioned how he's not like this kind of godlike figure, anything like that. There really isn't any interaction with him in the entire group and certainly nothing like this where he's and as you said earlier, like the group's kind of fed up with him in the game. Uh, there's he could not have smacked a girl and then helped her up in the game. It is a different dynamic. But as you said, it uh, man, David is a is a lot creepier, a lot whatever kind of adjective you want to use. He is a lot more of it in the TV show. Yeah, in in the game, he gives like like he gives a creepy vibe still, but generally speaking, at least from like the perspective of the other people he's working with, it seems like he's he's some he's someone that they view as very competent and a good leader and resourceful, and everyone knows that he has a fucked up thing for little girls it, it, or you know teenage girls, and uh, that is obviously a, a different dynamic. I would say uh, one question I had was that. I was wondering if maybe part of the motivation for them wanting to kill Ellie is like, they know what David's going to do if he gets to keep her. That is something I was wondering. I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't heard anyone say that, but on rewatch, I had that thought of like, a, do they know? And B, is that part of the like, Hey, let's not let David bring this girl back alive. Like he doesn't, you know, uh, it's sort of a, a, a different dynamic. It's not. It's an interesting question. Um, I I would be interested to know in the amount of people who might know what David would do to her, uh, which it seemed like the group he brought out was probably pretty close to him. Certainly, I think James would know, and he's the one that seemed most set on killing her. I in the during the. As I was watching, I kind of thought it was James feeling threatened by Ellie because he's like realizing how much David like wants her alive. And maybe he I mean, maybe he also realizes what David's going to do and is afraid she'll accept that role. And uh, then she becomes a number two or something like that. So I guess it could maybe tie together. But that specific question, I hadn't thought about it. I don't know that. I'm not sure that they'd be doing much mercy killing based on the fact that they're kind of eating people or, or things like that. But it is an interesting question to ponder. Since we were sort of on this and we we're on this uh, dynamic of like the town relation to David, when you first when you get on the horse at this part in the game in Ellie, like some, someone sees you like, there she is. Oh. Uh, and then and and one guy's like, shoot her. And the other guy's like, but David said, and the other's like, fuck David, shoot her now. Yeah. <laughs> and and then they, they do try and shoot you as you run away. And then the last person hits the horse, which we got to talk about Callus Erasure, Jacob. R.I.P. Callus. Uh, you guys probably don't even know that's the horse's name because unless you played the game, because they do not name her in the show. Uh, I can't remember. Exam. Or him, excuse me. Yeah. I don't remember. I think it's when they're at the university. Yep. That uh, Ellie reveals she named the horse Callus. He is never named in the show, but pour one out for Callus. And it's it's such an if you're gonna kill if you're gonna kill Callus, 
Okay, you can get. I I feel like the amount of time that it would have taken to give him the same attention the game did would have been like a total of 20 seconds. Here's the dialogue you insert straight from the game. At the university, Joel gets off the horse and says, stay callous. What kind of name is callous anyway? Ellie says, not my fault. You forgot to ask Tommy his name. Boom. That's it. That's all you did in that section. And then, uh, and then later in the uh, David boss fight, something he says tauntingly to her as he's like stalking around. is just like, I'm sorry about your horse, Ellie. I hope you know. I hope you take comfort that we won't waste any part of him. And I was just like, you motherfucker. Like, I think that takes maximum 20 seconds to insert. And it would have been like a, a not, not even a good Easter egg. Just like good. If you're going to have the horse, if you're going to kill the horse, you can you can you could insert that. Right. That's not too much to ask. I have a different crafting upgrade later, but I think this can be a joint crafting upgrade. Just name the horse. Like yes. we show uh, Callus his respect. Yeah, R.I.P. Exactly. And uh we uh will miss Callus, but uh served us well. Served Ellie and Joel well. Uh and then speaking of Joel, he goes he starts going crazy there at the uh the end of the episode. Uh we get a, a more a uh, brutal version of Joe he or Joel. He's finally awake and ready to kill again. Barely. He is barely awake. And yeah. uh, again, we've mentioned this listening mode button that was in the game where you're crouched behind a core, you hit R1 and you can vaguely identify with a visual marker where people are that are making noise as Joel. I feel like this section was like sort of an homage to that. Uh, yeah. Cause you, you can see him just like, lying on the mattress and listening and like his eyes are moving, but he can't see anything obviously. And then he gets into perfect stealth position and pounces on his one opportunity to get him. which in the game you have, uh, I guess you have three different types of stealth kills. Number one, you can kill someone with a bow, which does not make any noise. And you, uh, most of the time you have to get a headshot. And if you get a headshot and stealth kill, usually you can retrieve the arrow later. It's a nice little reward for a skillful kill. Option two, you can get behind him as Joel and hit triangle and then hit square to choke him out, which takes a while. And you have to just sort of stand there as like they're choking. And it's difficult to do around like several other enemies. Option three is you have a shiv, which in the game they treat as a resource, which you only have so much of. And you can only use so many times before it breaks. And you have to weigh those things like, do I hold this for a clicker? I need to stealth kill. Do I use it to open a door? that has a bunch of resources in it. Do I use it to get a very quick stealth kill in a situation where I'm probably going to get fucked if I don't kill someone quickly because I just grabbed this guy and, oh, God, I'm sort of out in the open, triangle to shiv him and, and go away. So um, just wanted to t- take you back into the video game corner for a second there, but uh, good good, good shiv stealth kill by Joel's uh, part with Brian's knife, which he was right. It's a good knife. Good job, Brian. Yeah, and... I mean, we'll talk about this in a minute, but it uh, it doesn't play out quite the same way in the game. Nobody comes down to where Joel is. He eventually kind of wakes up more healthy and a little more active, which, again, we'll talk about in a second. But he eventually does go around killing people, but it plays out just a little bit different. But fair enough. Uh, he uh, he still has the stealth kill ability, even if he, as you said, is running on 1% battery. In the next section... Uh... Joel goes a little bit more crazy. Part three, caged. Back at the steakhouse, David has Ellie locked in a cage because A, he's afraid of her, 
and B, she is a dangerous person and she has proven that. David brags to Ellie that the others wanted to kill her and that he saved her, seeking her gratitude and praise. Fuck you, Ellie says. Why don't we just start with your name? Eat shit, Ellie says. <laughs> David implores Ellie to let her be protected by him. He can see that she cares for Joel, but says she needs to face reality. That part of your life, it's ending. And what I'm offering you is a beginning. But if you can't find a way to trust me, then yes, you are alone. This fucker has a read on Ellie and he is willing to prey on her greatest fear. Marco, one of the men sent to find Joel, sees his friend Timothy on the ground. He stoops down to check on him and gets knocked out with the butt of Joel's rifle. Marco awakes to find Joel repeatedly punching Timothy. I don't know any girl, Timothy says, and Joel sticks Brian's knife right into his knee, and Timothy calls for Marco. He can't help you, Joel says. You focus right here, or I'll pop your fucking kneecap off. She's alive. Where? In the town. What town? I love that uh, delivery uh, from Pedro. Joel bellows as he twists the knife. Timothy says they're in Silver Lake, which is not a town on Joel's map but rather a resort. Joel sticks Brian's knife in Timothy's mouth and instructs him to mark it on the map with his own blood, which better be the same spot that his buddy points to, which Timothy does. I swear, go ask him. He'll tell you. I'm not lying, Timothy pleads. Joel stabs Timothy to death, seemingly leaving Brian's knife behind in his chest. I can't quite tell. Maybe he went back for it later. And then... Marco says, why the fuck did you do that? He told you what you wanted. You motherfucker. Fuck you. I ain't telling you shit. That's okay, Joel says. I believe him. And he crushes Marco's skull with a pipe. Back at Ellie's cell, David slides Ellie some food. But Ellie has just seen an ear on the ground. She knows that they are eating people. David swears that this food he gave her is deer. And he again asks for her name. If you want to judge me, David begins, and Ellie says, judge you, you're eating people, you sick fuck, and kicks the meal away. David says there's only a few of the group that know, but that he would have told her. David asks, what was he supposed to do? Let his people starve? David tells Ellie she reminds him of himself. You're a natural leader. You're smart, loyal, violent. You have a violent heart, he tells her. And I should know, I've always had a violent heart. David says he was shown the truth about his violent heart by, not God, but by cordyceps. He describes the fungus as not evil, but fruitful. It multiplies, protects its young, secures its future with violence if it has to. He's telling Ellie the truth as he sees it because he thinks she can handle it. The way the others can't, who need God, who need heaven, who need a father. I'm a shepherd surrounded by sheep. And all I want is an equal. David tries to sweeten the offer by offering to tell the others to stop looking for Joel. They follow me, and they would follow us. Lord knows I could use the help. Look at what's happened. Think of what we could do together as strong as we are. Join me, and together we can rule the galaxy as pedophile preacher and child... Okay, he didn't say that last part. But David puts her hand on Ellie's, and she realizes what he wants. Oh, Ellie says. She puts her other hand on his for a moment before breaking his finger and attempting to grab the keys. David slams her face against the bars. You little cunt, 
David says. Let's go see what I tell the others now. Ellie. What? Tell them that Ellie is the little girl who broke your fucking finger. And David leaves to go get James. The So let's start with Joel. Because, boy, Joel goes uh, superhero mode in this. We were hopeful but unsure how they would kind of handle this. Because, as we've mentioned, they... Uh, they don't treat it necessarily the same as in the game. And even this isn't necessarily the same in the game. You kill a, a whole host of uh, people from the town and before you finally get to kind of the final two. And then he takes him to interrogate them, but still they had Joel go superhero mode to show just kind of the links he's going to go to, to, uh, to bring Ellie back. But um it was. I was very excited to see Joel back in action like that, and uh, what he's willing to do to get to Ellie again. So we got this mailbag question from uh, Colin, who says, "Did it bother you that Joel went from on his deathbed to cold-blooded killer in a matter of minutes?" So I'll take this one first. Uh, my answer is no, because I actually I actually think they did a pretty good job of showing him gradually regaining capability and regaining consciousness and, 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 and competency. Like, first of all, uh, I think the wound starts to look better after the first night and then they inject it again. And then he's, he's conscious enough to hear Ellie and understand what's happening. He uses every bit of strength he has to get that one stealth kill. And then he has to recover for a beat. It's not like he just pops right up and starts running out in the game. That's pretty much what happened. Uh, you're like Joel is fully unconscious. You don't get any interaction. You don't get any dialogue from him from the moment he falls off the horse to when he gets up to go find Ellie. There's no dialogue from Joel. There's no, he's just, he's just out of it and shivering. And then he's like, well, okay, I'm good. I thought the the show actually did a pretty good job. I think of gradually bringing him up to speed. And even then it's not like he, you know, I, it's not it's not like as we talked about as we're going to talk about, it's not like he fully rampages through the town, taking out like 20 people. He stealth gets the jump on one guy with the last bit of energy he has before he has to collapse and take a beat. And then he he takes two guys out one at a time uh, and he sort of uses one of them to lure the other one, basically. So I thought they did a, a pretty effectively at making it gradual and also making him have to be smart about it. But what do you think? They did do a good job of showing him improving. I also think there's probably a a level of this of like he's running on uh, anger and emotion and that he once he kind of comes to and realize that people are coming for him and that Ellie's not around, that that probably means Ellie got captured, too. So he is running on kind of adrenaline and anger and things like that because he knows he I mean, we've talked about this before. He he kind of thrives in thinking he needs to save people. And in his mind, in that moment, Ellie absolutely needs saving. And I'm so I, th- between that and then, as you said, them kind of gradually showing him getting better and that he didn't go. I mean, I say superhero mode, but as you said, it was a very kind of common sense superhero mode in that he isn't killing a dozen people. And then get, taking the last two, he killed three people, but they were all kind of individually. He killed them. So, it uh 
I think it came across fine. And even as he's kind of interrogating them and moving on, you can see he's slowly getting better and better. But let's talk about that interrogation scene because, buddy, I literally clapped afterwards after it was done. That was almost. That's right, uh, right, folks. We love cannibalism and torture. Those are the two things about us. Take that away from today's episode. Uh, That was almost line for line exactly from the video game. And it was it's one of our favorite scenes because of kind of the weight it carries with it. And that like you took Ellie and Joel is going berserk mode now. And this brutality he shows in this scene is, um, I think, something that shows what Ellie means to him now. Mason said something interesting that I agree with in the inside the episode, which is that you kind of have to be a little afraid of Ellie. But I think the same is true of Joel. I think in order for this story to fully land for you, and I think it can still land without it accomplishing all these things, but for it to fully land, you have to A, love Joel, B, love Ellie, C, love how they came to their relationship and, and have a deep emotional attachment to that and understanding of that and in, in not like a... Um, yeah, I, I've seen some criticisms that all oh, Joel's Joel, it's actually gross what Joel's doing because he's just like viewing her as a replacement. I don't think that's true personally, but I get why people would say that. Um, and then D, you have to kind of be into it with how scared you could be of their dark side. Mm-hmm. And E, you kind of have to root for it a little bit, a little bit. Right. So watching this scene and, and I can already tell it accomplished this by just by the reactions I've seen so far of you're like oh my god but also you're like fuck yeah Joel you fuck you you do it you get him you go get you go get that girl um so I I, I thought it uh, accomplishes all the beats I will say it hit a little different with real people <laughs> and <laughs> especially whoever did the sound of the knee noises when he's like twisting it in the knee oh my god I was like ah it was it was so gross in like a uh in like they did they did a great job with uh with their job way but that was disgusting also i I mentioned it earlier but the way pedro yelled what town to that guy it it gave me goosebumps i was like oh my god um and then also i I think very small thing but again this we've talked about this before this difference of perspective and not being they didn't spend a ton of time with uh this guy that i think was named marco but you just spent like 10 seconds with him as he's walking and then you see his friend on the ground. He's like, Oh no, what happened to my friend? And then he's knocked out. And then you wake up from his vantage point. Just that like 10 seconds of perspective, I think accomplishes a lot that the game can't do exactly in some ways. So I thought that was a good use of perspective once again, which again, it it paints Joel's actions in a very dark light, which they are dark, but also they are understandable. Uh, in some cases, still able to root for him. It's a very interesting sort of avenue that this game explores with how far is too far? How how far are you willing to follow this guy uh, to 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 follow his 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 love for this girl? Um, and uh, it, it it was a plus ten out of ten. Yeah, you're you're rooting for the dark side of Joel at this point, and it delivered. I have one small crafting upgrade from this. Yep. Uh, scene in the game when he's asking the first person about Ellie and, and things like that. 
Uh, he refers to Ellie and says, quote, she's David's newest pet, which, oh, it still just makes me almost like cringe. I think if they delivered that line in the show as well, that considering how they portrayed David, that would have also hit home really well. Uh, that would be the one crafting upgrade I have is just inserting that line into uh, that scene Having that first first guy say it. I agree. It's four words. She's David's newest pet. And it accomplishes so much. One, yeah. it reveals... Well, granted, okay. I, I, I can... There's, this is an editing reason as well, right? Because this is actually chronologically... I, I figured this out when I was doing the recap. Chronologically, this scene is happening before David puts her hand... Or his hand on Ellie. So it's before you maybe fully get, oh, he wants her in that way type of deal. So I get why if they're putting the scene chronologically ahead, they wouldn't do it. But I also agree with you. I really like the line from the game because it, it 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 accomplishes a. You understand that the town knows about this. Yeah. B. Pet that like immediately puts thoughts into Joel's head of how dire the situation is and how he has like he would do anything to stop that. C. Newest. Yeah. What happened to the last one? You know, um, and it just it, it it accomplishes all those things with just four words. So I agree. I think that was a line that should have been in there. But I did note the editing reason why maybe it wasn't. Yeah. And the last thing, the uh, just the line, it's OK, I believe him before he takes the pipe and uh, kills the second guy. That line goes so hard. Like it, it, it you just. You can't help but have like this excited reaction because uh, it's kind of in that moment where you fully realize that, oh, he's on a rampage like he's a savage. Yeah, he is going all in. He is holding nothing back. And uh, we mentioned this in the spoiler section a couple weeks ago, but they had a little teaser of uh, you point to the location on the map and your buddy better point to the same one. Uh, they did that with the people that they found just kind of out in the middle of nowhere before they got to Jackson. We weren't sure if that was the, like an homage to uh, this moment and they weren't going to include it. I'm very glad they did. I'm very glad they just kind of basically this was largely just like copy and paste with a like a few small changes that we mentioned. Uh, yeah, hu- huge change. They changed that's all right. I believe him to that's okay. I believe him huge change. How, how could they change that? I'm, I'm very glad that both Marlon and Florence got to keep their kneecaps. So thank you <laughs> Joel for not killing them. Let's talk about some of these Ellie and uh, David conversations. Um, let's talk about the cannibalism first. We we love talking about this cannibalism, but big fans. It's uh it's something that, in the game, they're far more open about it, and it makes me wonder maybe how much the rest of the town knew about it in the game, uh, because in the game, Ellie, they there isn't two conversations with David. Ellie wakes up to them chopping someone into little bitty pieces, uh, and they have to go get David, and you just kind of realize all in that one moment that they're cannibals. Um, so they handled it, I think, differently in the show because, yeah, in the game, it wasn't really portrayed as like a last resort. It was just kind of like out there in the open. 
So I don't know about you, but for like the first 20 minutes or so of this episode, I was wondering if what they were portraying, excuse me, was the first instance where they decided to eat someone. Um, because like they started with the how much, how much is left of venison, elk, etc. But then you find the three bodies. And I think it implies that, no, they've, they've done this and they've, yeah. they, they've established this contingency and they've had to do it. And then also, um, I think, I think with hindsight, you can read into James slash Troy Baker's line of how hard those last six months were. I think you can line up the timeline there with that's probably when they started deciding to do that. Um, but I was very curious for a while. I was like, are they, are they like trying to set up like the first instance they did it? That's interesting. Um, but yeah. Yeah. It, as you mentioned, once you get to seeing the hanging bodies, you realize that uh, maybe it wasn't, it was still a last resort, but not, it, it just wasn't portrayed as such in the game that, and it wasn't nearly as big of a secret. It seemed like, uh, at the very least, it wasn't a, they weren't trying to keep it a secret from Ellie, which they were trying to do before the, that errant little ear was left. Um, that they, I mean, they had Ellie in the same room that they were chopping up a body. So just thought that was interesting how they, uh, changed that part of it. And then in the game, David doesn't really try to justify himself in any way. Certainly not like ha- as he does in the show. And he kind of has this uh, monologue about the cordyceps, as you were mentioning, and how he calls it fruitful. That isn't in the game it was an interesting change they made. I guess, what are your thoughts on, on kind of including that? So, yeah, that's definitely not there in, in the game. He falls back on. And and this is something that I haven't after one rewatch, I haven't fully decided. I'd be curious for your thoughts on it in the game. They, and, and you'll said this in interviews. They make it very clear that, uh, David never lies to Ellie. He tells her what he believes is the truth a hundred percent of the time, which makes me wonder about that because some of his comments, especially about like religion later where then like towards the end, some of his comments make me think like he's not actually a believer and maybe he's just using it to manipulate people, which I guess you could still be a believer and still be using it to manipulate people. But I had wondered about that, but in the game, this is, this is a guy who is trying to be as honest as possible uh, does eat people and does find Ellie sexually attractive. And other than that, he's, he's very honest, very upfront with her about, uh, about everything. Uh, and that I, I'm not sure how I feel about his, uh, infatuation with the fungus. I thought that was an interesting choice for sure, but I do think this idea of, and it's very disturbing to think about, obviously in today's world, this idea of this teacher who, had a violent heart who struggled with it, who was around people of Ellie's age the whole time and feels liberated by the apocalypse. Cause now he like feels free to act as act as he truly wants to deep down. That was so disturbing to me and very effective in a way that uh, obviously the game didn't really explore. Yeah. The, I, I hadn't thought about the not lying part because in the game, uh, it, during their conversations, she says that like, um, 
you're going to chop me up into little pieces. And he's like, I'd rather not. And she says like, you're so full of shit. And he says like, quite the contrary. I've been very honest with you. And that the, as you said, the implication is he doesn't ever lie to Ellie, which I think probably plays into the idea that he wants feels gross saying this, but he wants her to be like his wife his number two. And like, he's not lying to her from the start. And trusting her with all this information as some kind of olive branch to extend out to her or something. I'm not, but I it's, it's an, they don't say it in the show. So I'm not sure, but as you said, some of his comments kind of in that second conversation feel a little bit more truthful and kind of contradictory to what he was saying at the beginning. So yeah, I'm not sure on that, but yeah, I think the implication is that he was opening up to her and telling the truth, but they don't say it as kind of outwardly in the show. So I, I, I like this shit. You know, again, I'm using the word like it's gross and it's disgusting, but this idea of, I'd say, so the biggest, the biggest difference here is talking about her violent heart that he sees that and he knows that because it's in him. This is not in the game. And this is probably the biggest difference I would say from this conversation and just overall their general dynamic, which David is attracted to this violent thing that he sees as like this mirror image of himself. And again, also he's still a fucking creepy pedophile, but I, part of me likes this idea of him identifying that in Ellie and wanting another wolf, uh, instead of a a sheep. Uh, I thought that was very effective because in like a really fucked up way, you can almost visualize it. This like alternate reality where Ellie, Ellie, Ellie's like David's number two and all this horrible, awful shit happens. uh, And then they, they just run this fucking resort Colorado area and it grows. And, you know, like I said, I made the Darth Vader comp obviously, because it felt very much like that, uh, that, that speech, but it was interesting. I think it's also true. And this is certainly something they're much more exploring within the, this season of the last of us than they did within the last of us video game. Um, this concept of Ellie having a violent heart. And I, I want to talk for a quick second about episode three, because I sort of had some of these thoughts after we recorded last week. Which is the 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 stalker she finds in in the basement of the shop, yeah. That they were rolling around. That obviously makes a lot more sense now. Uh, a, she does have a violent heart. B, she was angry about uh, Riley being taken away from her, and she effectively goes up to it. She slits on the face. I, I I'm guessing to see if it could feel pain, which it didn't really seem to which is interesting and then stabs it in the same spot, basically that she stabbed the infected that killed that, that bit Riley um, recreating the kill in a way. So that's super interesting to me on rewatch. Cause remember we were a little, we were, we were a little puzzled by it when we first saw it. We we're like, what's happening here. She's just like full psycho. Can't quite tell. I mean, little psycho, just like she has a violent heart uh, and she wanted revenge, I think is, is the key takeaway from that. I mean, and, and to your point, it makes sense for that as well, because 
she was upstairs and just saw the Mortal Kombat game. So like Riley is very much on her mind when she goes downstairs. So she does have, I mean, we've mentioned it, even if there's rationalization for it, she has a violent heart. I'm always going to think back to when Joel was beating up the security guard outside the QZ and kind of the reaction that she had to it is kind of the justification for that. What I, what I think the show does better than the game is using, how do I, I don't want to say rationalizing what David wanted, but like laying out kind of David's idea better than what the the game does. And the game, you're just kind of like, he wants her to be this number two, but like he doesn't really explain it. And certainly not in the way that he does in the show, which they did a, I think a much better job in that regard. Yeah. Basically all he says in that moment is, like you, you have to tell me your name so that like I can convince the others yep. that you can come around because you're loyal, you have heart, and then he puts his hand on her hand and he says, and you're special. And like yep. that that's when she like obviously the hand moment happens still there, but they inserted that that idea of this violent heart that he sees. Yep. It 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 worked. It was um it was a very interesting addition that I think it served a good purpose in that it kind of gave at least David's rationalization to wanting Ellie around. All right. We are 90 minutes into this episode. We haven't talked about the boss fight yet. Should we get there? Oh, bring your tissues again. <laughs> Let's do it. Part four, baby girl. Uh, we see Joel find Ellie's backpack right before finding three human bodies hanging in a meat locker. Joel is now aware if he wasn't already of the stakes. David, and James put Ellie on the table to kill her with a meat cleaver. Ellie struggles, bites David, begs for her life, but it doesn't work. And in her last moment of desperation, Ellie plays her trump card. I'm infected, Ellie screams, which gives David a moment of pause. And now so are you. Roll up my sleeve. Look at it. They look at it. She would have turned by now. This isn't real, David says. It looks pretty fucking real to me, James says. And Ellie seizes her opportunity, kills Joel, I mean James, by taking the cleaver to his neck and runs. David shoots, but misses. Ellie tries to leave, but the doors are locked. She grabs a piece of a burning piece of wood with some embers and chucks it towards David, which makes the curtain and soon the whole steakhouse catch on fire. Ellie hides. David tells her there's no way out. He has the keys. Ellie, Ellie, David calls as he stalks the room holding the cleaver. I know you're not infected. No one that's infected fights this hard to stay alive. Once again, David has the right read on her. You don't know how good I am, David yells. You don't know what I could have given you if you just let me. Well, I have news for you. Neither one of us is dying today. You see, I changed my mind. I decided you do need a father, so I'm going to keep you, and I'm going to teach you. Okay, but that's worse. You do get how that's worse, right? Ellie stabs David in the side as he flings her to the ground. Ellie sees the cleaver under the table, which David can't see from his vantage, and she begins crawling toward it. David kicks her and climbs on top of her. I thought you already knew the fighting is the part I like the most, and I want to projectile vomit right now. David as disgusting as he is, had almost every correct read on Ellie. Almost. What he did not realize 
is that he was no match for her at all. Ellie grabs the cleaver, slices David with it, then kills David with it, and then continues to cleave his face until we can presume it is no longer recognizable. Covered in cannibalistic pedophile rapist blood, afraid and traumatized, Ellie exits the burning steakhouse. Joel finds her and grabs her. No, get off of me, Ellie screams until she can clearly see Joel's face. It's me. It's okay, Joel says. He, but I, Ellie says, but she can't even think straight. She reaches up for Joel's embrace, and they hug. It's okay, baby girl. I got you, Joel says. He puts his coat and his arm around her, and they walk away from this godforsaken place. So, Jacob, we lied to our dear audience. We lied right to their face. For quite a when while, we, we lied to him. When we said that the Baby Girl Award was named after the moment of Sarah's death, which it kind of was, but not really. Uh, this, I, I think we share some criticisms of this moment, but it's still a great moment. It is the moment where, and obviously there's ve- there's varying ex- there's varying extents to which this is true in different moments that have preceded this in the last few episodes, but there is no denying it at this point. The relationship that these two have, it is father and daughter. Mm-hmm. And this is such a devastating, I'm not sure devastating is the right word, but if there is, this is right up there on any moments in the game that are guaranteed to make you cry. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? <clears throat> uh, I mean, I still cried. I, I'll make that clear. Um, it still hits. Um, I will say that in my hot take is that I think this is one of the few times, maybe the only time so far this uh, show that I think it hits a little bit harder in the game than it does in the show. Um, the circumstances are different between the two and they kind of explain some practical reasons why. So in the game, um, Ellie is cleavering away at David and Joel comes racing in while they're still in the building, the burning building and grabs her. She has the same kind of get the fuck off me reaction before she realizes it's Joel and kind of break. She's like trying to explain to him like what he was doing. And then she just kind of breaks down and he drops the baby girl moment all the same. Um, what I will say that I think I liked better in this is Ellie initiating the hug. Uh, she didn't do that in the game. She just kind of breaks down and Joel hugs her. Uh, her just kind of reaching around and I, she wasn't sobbing, but like her just kind of breaking down in that moment and hugging him, I thought was a great change in a great addition. It's, I mean, both, both scenes still hit really hard. It's just one kind of small thing. And they mentioned it in the, I believe the podcast that like from a practical standpoint, there wasn't really a way for Joel to get into the restaurant because David had locked it and he had the keys. So like, that's why they didn't, <clears throat> that's also why they had her building. Leave. Yeah, you don't yeah, want to. Yeah, that's yeah. why they had her leave so that they're not in a burning building that's about to collapse. And all that makes sense. But I, I mean, I just think in the game it, it hit a little bit harder. So 
I, I have a couple of similar thoughts. So first of all, I want to talk about what I really liked of this moment from Ellie, which is Bella. And this is far and away my favorite Bella episode. Um, and I, and obviously I've had very glowing things to say about Bella previously. What I liked about this moment from Ellie is you can see it in her eyes that how traumatized and how lost she is in this moment. And Joel is the thing that I think saves her from going over the edge and just completely losing it. And I, I, I think had Joel had, I, I don't know. I don't know how the brain works, but if, if, if maybe she had gone on for another hour without seeing Joel, I, I think it would have been different. Uh, I think she would have had a different reaction to it, but we loved this decision, obviously of, and they talk about this a lot in the inside of the episode of they even they do even more intercutting in the game of bouncing back and forth between Ellie is she's oh she's doing this she's in the cage oh Joel's waking up oh he's trying to find her oh she he found her but now she's uh, now she's in a boss fight with David oh she sort of got the best of the boss fight with David but now they cut away to Joel and he's seeing the cannibals and oh my god I see the steakhouse on fire and then they cut back and David's on top of her and the whole time you're expecting Joel to burst through the door kill David and save Ellie. Because that's what the video game protagonist does. And I feel very strongly, I'm sure you do too, that we love the fact that that's not what happens. Joel doesn't save Ellie. Ellie saves Ellie. Uh, I think of the great Kim Wexler line of, you don't save me, I save me. And I, I, it's, it's one of the reasons that this whole section of the game is so beloved, because it subverts your expectations in so many ways that don't feel gimmicky or cheesy or shock value or anything like that but they just they just feel right i don't i don't quite know how to put that but i agree with i so i we have been overwhelmingly glowing towards the cast on this show and pedro and bella specifically is that fair to say jacob yeah very much so so i think i've earned a little bit of ability to to criticize in this moment, which is I I agree with you. I don't think the baby girl moment hit as hard, and I think it was mostly Pedro's performance. Um, not to say he did anything bad, but if you go and again, this is something that this is this is a, a problem of us being super attached to this scene and, and to the story, which it probably didn't even occur to other people. I saw other people's first time reaction, and they just cried knowing the fact that Joel said the words "baby girl." Yeah, but Troy's performance in this moment is so much more emotional. He's just like, oh, baby girl, and he, he holds her, and it, it's it just felt so much more like a bigger moment for Joel. Um, not to say that like, oh, this this is all about Joel. Why didn't you, you? Obviously, this moment is huge for Ellie as well. But game Joel's emotional reaction to this—it's almost like he was getting emotional, realizing how emotional he was in a way of like, this is who I am. Like, I am this girl's father. This is my purpose. I am I am put here to protect and love this girl. And not only is this okay, and not only am I willing to accept the risks here, but this is beautiful. This is my purpose. And he he did he conveyed all of that for me with just like those three words of, oh, baby girl. And I don't think Pedro did the same thing. And that's okay, but that's my th- this is my biggest uh, criticism, I would say, this episode. And again, I told you from the start, this is still my favorite episode. This is one of the best episodes, I think, of television I've seen in a very long time. Um 
and and I this is still an A plus episode, but this is that that's really my main complaint. Does does that make sense? Yeah. To to a couple points you made, I think this is kind. I'm trying to think of the right way to word this. This is kind of the episode where Ellie, maybe not grew up, but like grows up in a way where like she has to do all of this on her own, and uh, she has to uh, hunt and then get medicine for Joel and then try to lead them away and then get captured and then free herself through. Um, like where it looked like she was done and she was gonna die, and then uh, has to take down David and kill him, and then escape everything. And um, it it all ha- her having to do all that and kind of be independent in that sense is a lot. And I think when um when Joel gets to Ellie, I think that's when he realizes kind of the gravity of what she had to go through without her. And I think that is how he kind of feels in that scenario is that he let basically his daughter have like she experienced all this because he couldn't be there. And as you said, it's it's very small and it's just kind of the way the the line is delivered and there's kind of this like almost sigh as he's like, Oh, I like, Oh baby girl. Like I, you had to go through this and I wasn't there type. Um, again, none of this is to say that, I mean, again, I, I cried during the show. Like it still hit. It's just, it was a small difference. Yep. I, I cried. I, I'm still on board with Pedro getting an Emmy. Let the record show. But I, I, you know, if I, I, I would I would have liked a, a different take on that, is all I'm saying. Yeah, and it's a small thing, but it, it was it was still an emotional moment and it still served the purpose of showing you that like Ellie's changed now, kind of as you were saying, maybe like we don't know to the what degree, but certainly she has changed moving forward now. All right, let's talk about the David boss fight because as you can tell from me saying this, this is a boss fight in the game is yes. you as Ellie versus David. All you have is that little switchblade knife and he has a gun, which he re- he wrestles and takes the revolver that you had. And he has a machete. They changed it in this instance to have it be a meat cleaver, which I think is more ironically fitting, giving that, you know, cannibals. Um, but the burning steakhouse, uh, I think we can say production design once again, killed it it looked exactly like the game in a very iconic way and that the, the location just looked incredible um in the game uh, you may have heard of the rule of three when it comes to video game you have to stab david three times to win the fight and even then he still tries to rape you at the end but step one he has the gun and he's just sort of taunting you as like you you have to sneak up on him one element of gameplay that made this difficult is on the ground there are broken plates because it's it's you know it's from it's a it's a steakhouse which this wasn't like established as like the town hall or where everyone eats or anything it was just a steakhouse that you were in uh during this this part where you encountered him so first level you stick up him you stab him you have to run away then he pulls out the machete and he starts running after you uh and then you have to run away until you're back in stealth and then you have to find a way to sneak up on him again and then the, the after you stabbed him twice 
The scariest moment is when he starts hiding and you can't find him on listening mode. And you're just like, where the fuck is he? And you're just like crawling around, trying not to get detected, but also trying to find him. It's, it's very scary. I actually had more trouble with it than I thought I would because I played this before. And when I went back and replayed that this week, uh, that was that, that was still tough. Um, and again, like I said, there's even more back and forth cutting with Joel. Uh, and, uh, and, and yeah, so that is, there's really only two boss fights, uh, things that you could even call a boss fight. I would say in the last of us one, one of them was the first time that you meet a bloater in bill, but it's not even really a boss fight. It's more just like your first encounter with this infected, though they kind of treat it as a boss fight, but then this is the big one. Um, and it's, uh, Again, it's it's obviously such a, a huge moment for all the plot reasons, but it was also scary and intense and uh, really uh, well-designed uh, moment from the game. thought there was an interesting thing that happened in the show that uh, they don't really portray in the game, that David pretty clearly chooses capturing Ellie versus stopping the fire in the show. Uh, when Ellie throws the burning log and it hits the curtain... There's a couple different times uh, where he looks at the um, looks at the curtain and like kind of debates like, do I try to stop this fire or do I go after Ellie? And he kind of takes steps that way a couple times, and then also uh, like obviously ultimately chooses capturing Ellie, which I think, I mean, him talking about having a violent heart, like he clearly chose that in that scenario versus trying to stop. Uh, a fire from spreading and uh, burning down the steakhouse. But I thought that was a, an interesting choice that they made in the show that added a layer to David and his kind of decision at the end of that. But I mainly just appreciated that Ellie was kind of sneaking around, as you were saying, and hiding from David and going into the kitchen and getting a weapon and then um, staying hidden from him and whatnot. That was a fun little homage to, uh, those that played the game during that section. Uh, the bodies hanging was incredibly horrifying. We mentioned them and uh, it was something that I think hit harder because they looked more real in the show. Not shockingly. Also, I, maybe not having heads on them. I'm not sure, but uh, that was absolutely horrifying when he uh, like, I knew what he was going to find when he was shining the flashlight around and still, when he found them, oh, man, it, it sent, like, chills down my spine. In, in the game right before this, you find, like, a note that's like a ledger of the amount of meat they have on hand. And it's just in pounds. It's just like, oh, oh, we have to do better. Oh, now that's more like it. Uh, and then you just, like, put that away. And then you go into the next room, and that's where the, the bodies are hanging. It's just like, oh, fuck. These, Jesus. Um one other thing that uh, I wanted to mention, one note for Ellie on her on her on her stealth. Don't scream as you're jumping out to stab the person. <laughs> like wait until you have the knife in them, then you can let out the scream. But uh but but also I love I I thought it was a good choice of, of how much she was screaming later with the with the cleaver and how she was yep. uh hammering it down uh so hard. So that was one different it, it, I'm not sure if we fully talked about this, but one other difference there is we, we mentioned that Joel comes up to her in, in the restaurant, right? Of like, he, he grabs her as she's like 
uh, hitting him with a machete, which means show Ellie gets more wax in. So I counted, I went back and I counted. So in the game, Ellie gets one slice and then gets on top of him. And I would say 10 chomps with the machete before Joel grabs her in the show. She had one slice and 21 chomps. So double the chompage uh, with the meat cleaver. Uh, that was quite a lot. One note. Uh, I, th- I think it was Colin who, who said this to me and I agree with it. She probably should have had more blood on her. That's the only thing I'll say. I'm not, I'm not complaining that she didn't, that she's not just covered in head to toe from red, but 21 slices with the meat cleavers a lot. Um, probably could have, could have had more in there. Oh, I'm, I, I skipped ahead a little bit. Sorry about well, that. No, you're fine because it, I mean, it, this also pertains to it, but um, I mean, the ending of this was a lot tougher to watch than it was in the game. I think uh, they really lean into the pedophilia part that, they kind of allude to and there's a little like you can kind of piece it together and like at one part in the game he's like you can try begging and then obviously there's like the hand holding part but there certainly isn't the line about the fighting is the best part or or i can't remember but if whatever the exact word that fighting is my favorite part yeah favorite part that david uses in the show It, it certainly isn't there in the game and so I mean, that was a tough watch and uh, it it made it more, I don't want to say exciting to watch her chop him up, but like it it made it this more like victorious moment. It was interesting and something that they pointed out, uh, I believe in the podcast that if you're watching Ellie like is like slicing away, chopping away starts to slow down and then like speeds up again. And so uh, she had a lot of feelings that she let out in that moment through a meat cleaver. And you're not wrong. There probably should have been more blood, but uh, it was an emotional moment. They man, there's a lot about this episode. That's like tough to watch, especially, I mean, again, I've said it every section, I think this version of David is it turned like the creepiness and the grossness up to 100 and it it kind of made this emotional release that much bigger at the end of the episode. So one other I agree with you, it was definitely more disturbing. Um, I'm, I talked about this before, partially when I was talking about Henry and Sam in that the game the game does a very careful job of not being too heavy handed with the sexual violence and more just it, they make it clear what's happening, but they don't take it as far as the show does. Now, I don't feel like I'm very qualified to say like what is better just because I've never been a victim of sexual violence in that way, but I do know that can be very upsetting for some people. So I just, I hope, um, if people are watching this show that that didn't, I, I hope they didn't take things too far just because they took that. They definitely took it further than the game did. Um, but you know, also they, they don't, they don't like show anything uh, in that way, but also like they effectively, I, I don't know. It, it's a, it's a tricky subject, but just wanted to say that it, 
it's they took it a little bit farther than than the game did, and that was very disturbing. Obviously, that that was that was a, that was a clear choice. That was a clear reason. I don't. I could. I could go either way on it, but I just I'm conscious of that because I know that can be very upsetting to some people. All right, let's uh, let's wrap this up with some awards for the week. Uh, let's start off with video game or best video gaming done this week. There's a couple options. I'll let you go first. I think it's a clear winner. I, th- I think it's Joel's listening mode uh, followed by his stealth shiv kill um i i I, th- I think that was the best that was the clearest video game sequence uh to me yeah and i figured you would say that that's why i told, had you go first it is the clear one i just wrote down and i mentioned this uh ellie sneaking around in the restaurant just because that came kind of directly from the game as well but yeah i think it's joel jumping out from behind and shiving the uh, the man from or down in the basement. Mailbag question from our guy Harrison, which again, we went on his and his wife Mia's podcast, Rewind and Reconsider, to review the Lara Croft Tomb Raider movie, the first one with Angelina Jolie. Uh, we had a great time doing that, even though we didn't have a great time watching the movie necessarily. Um, but feel free to go check that out if you guys want more of us. Uh, and also check out our buddy's podcast. It's great. Uh, he asks... Do you think we're going to go the entire show without someone using a brick or bottle as a distraction? This is tough, Jacob. We only have one episode left. Um, I, my hopes are pretty much shot. If if somehow Joel throws a brick or a bottle in the finale, I'll I'll be super happy. But uh, I, I'm I'm a little sad at this point. I thought I thought that was a guarantee coming into the season that this would happen, and it it's just. To, to have zero bricks and or bottles thrown is, is upsetting. Brother, I thought that this uh, restaurant boss fight was your last chance. <laughs> so uh, I, I didn't say it outright, but yeah, this felt like your last chance at it. Uh, I mean, you could just get a random moment uh, the rest of the way. I, it could still happen at any point. Like, it's not like a big thing they have to set up at all but uh, at this point i'll settle for them throwing one out of combat just as a slight easter egg (laughs) i'll take anything but yeah it it is uh it is on about the same level of life support as joel was when they brought him down to the basement the (laughs) i mean the baby girl moment of the week uh i what could that possibly be tom so i'm i think i might surprise you because we were talking in the spoiler section last week that oh like this was a shoe in because it's you know it's the baby girl moment but for the reasons above um based on the spirit of this award which was like the the moment that i most adored from you know the the the, the moment they adopted from the game being brought to life the best for me it was the interrogation scene um <laughs> the baby girl is obviously a, a bigger more emotional moment but they uh, they a plus crushed Joel's savage interrogation scene, and that that's probably the winner for me. I wrote down duh, and then I made honorable mention interrogation scene. I think it still probably has to be the baby girl moment, even as much as we criticize feels harsh. But yeah, we still love it. It's still a huge moment for the characters for all the same reasons. I just you know. Definitely, this is this is the number one moment so far where I was like, "Oh, I definitely like the performance better in the game on this one," and that's okay. 
because mm-hmm. there's a ton of things that I think uh, that Pedro did in a very different way throughout this series so far that that I, you know, if you, if you put a gun to my head, I'd be like, OK, I'd take the way he did that over the way uh, Troy did in the game. But this was such uh, and maybe it's because we've seen it so many fucking times that it's just ingrained in our memories. But they've, they've done such a good job of faithfully in re you know reenacting a lot of these moments but with different ways and this was just the one where i was just like uh didn't didn't quite work for me as well the best change that they made there is there's a lot of changes that we've kind of discussed that they made what was your preferred one it's david i yeah uh i i really was into scott shepherd's portrayal of david and a lot of the writing choices Mm -hmm. that they made they made him scarier for sure he was terrifying in this show and i thought that worked very well i i think certainly he's going to be some one of one of the most memorable one episode villains that people have seen in television in quite a long time and i thought it i thought it worked great yeah, I just wrote David's creepiness, however you want to just describe it. It's just, man, he was already like, I mean, we discussed it a lot. I don't want to dive deep into it again, but he was already like this kind of creepy villain, memorable villain in the game. The way they made him more creepy and like more memorable, uh, impressive, I guess, in that in that sense. But um, yeah, I wrote that also. I mean, the small one I mentioned before, Ellie laying on Joel during that scene toward the beginning. Again, kind of a small change that didn't really change a lot, but I I enjoyed that and kind of Joel kind of resting his head on hers during that moment. MVP of the week. I'll give mine first, although I think it's probably the same. Bella Ramsey, man. Uh, just incredible. I feel like we sing her praises repeatedly and she has been unbelievable as Ellie throughout. She was a star of the week. Um, we saw a different side of her in this episode, but she still absolutely crushed it and was absolutely phenomenal. I agree. This would be my pick. I, I, it speaks to how good Bella was that I'm not giving this to Scott Shepard because honestly I was blown away by Scott Shepard's David portrayal. Um, I thought it was absolutely incredible and he knocked it out of the park 10 out of 10. Bella. I, I was in already. I'm way more in for Ellie and Bella's performance of Ellie now. Ellie, Ellie could be scary in the game. Don't get me wrong. But part of that, of why she was scary, was that the, that this soft-spoken, bubbly person was saying and doing these things. Um, like, that was part of kind of what made her scary. And and Bella has all, has, has, from the jump, and we've talked about it, been a, you know, probably sassier, a little bit meaner. Like, the best way I can describe it is Ash, Ashley was... Ashley was more bubbles and Bella has been more buttercup. If you, if you get what I'm, I'm saying from Powerpuff Girls, uh, uh, scales, I don't, you, I I didn't watch a lot of Powerpuff Girls. Well, now, now, you know, two of the main characters, cause you know, you, the differences, but, but Ashley was just much more bubbly, 
much more a, a just constant uh uh source of light and uh and, and and all that sort of thing um and i gotta be honest she scared me in this episode in the best way the the way she delivered that line of of your fucking finger was i i 10 times actually prefer that uh to, to what we got in the game which which was just like a, a sassy haha oh god ellie's the girl that broke your fucking finger and then in this one it was like ellie's the girl who broke your fucking finger it was just like scary and in a way that i didn't know i needed and then the way she goes absolutely crazy at the end obviously on david even like further reinforces it but i'm just i'm super in on this portrayal now um and i was very much blown away i think that wraps things up for us so yeah momentarily we'll transition to the spoiler section again i want to say thank you if you've listened this far we're two hours deep into this thing um and we continue to be humbled and and, and grateful for the people that are checking in each week Please keep sending us those five-star reviews, especially on iTunes. Throw some kind words our way. We greatly appreciate it. It helps us out. Um, we're, we only have one episode left of this series. I think we have plans to continue doing this podcast. I don't, I don't know how often, how frequently. We're still sort of working some of that out, but we'll probably have some more news for that for you next week, I would say, Jacob. Is that fair to say? Yep. And uh, again, follow us on Twitter at TLOU Nerds. Uh, Keep up with Last of Us relevant thoughts and news and takes in the off season, um, especially when when that comes up. Reach out to us with mailbag questions. Thank you to the people that have been submitting those. Greatly appreciate it. And yeah, we have some interesting things to talk about in the spoiler section. So anything you want to say before we get there? Only one more week and uh, and buckle up, guys. It's gonna be a doozy. Uh, just like this one was so okay we are now exiting the quarantine zone if you are not familiar with the plots of both the last of us part one and the last of us part two if you don't want to know where the story is going this is your exit ramp get off now three two one are you gone okay cool uh i want to talk about this theory that i have developed with the help of my friend nick who and my brother, honestly. So I was watching the preview for next week, and you can see a shot of, of an infected, like, crawling. Uh, and then Alex was like, who's the crawlies? And I had to go back and watch it again. And I think you can tell that it's someone crawling towards Ashley Johnson, who is Anna, who is Ellie's mother. And I sort of come to the conclusion, like, okay, Ashley's going to get bit or Anna, excuse me, is going to get bit. And that's how she's going to die. She's going to be bitten, deliver Ellie, but she knows she's about to die. She probably takes her own life. And that that adds up because we never actually, I believe, learn how she died in the game. We just know that she delivered Ellie, was holding her in her arms, and she knew she was going to die. That's pretty much all we knew. I think it makes total sense that the reason for that is she got bitten. And a step further, which Nick prompted this thought when he texted me back was that I think this is how they're going to explain Ellie's immunity. My theory is that they're going to, they're going to tie the fact that the mother was infected and bitten at the time of delivering Ellie is probably why she had 
this built-in immunity or or that the cordyceps mutated because of that i i i i'm super into this thought so now i want it to be the case but what do you think i like the idea i never considered the notion that they would try to explain ellie's immunity obviously it's not something they ever really like why she's immune isn't really touched on uh so i just didn't really consider it it makes sense as a theory and one that like i could get behind i i would very much understand that i just don't know if that's like i don't know if that's a path that they're going to take it'd be interesting if they did just because that's a really big like plot point that they never like revealed in the game uh, I mean, certainly Neil would have like signed off on it and anything like that. So, oh, for sure. I just did. I just didn't consider it. when you sent it. I was like, huh, that does make a lot of sense and would make sense. Why Ellie's mother, as you said, we know she holds her and that's about it. It would make sense why Ellie's mother just isn't around either. And I didn't really spend much time thinking about like, or are they going to come up with like an explanation until, as we talked about, I was getting a little nervous with like the, is it possible to make a vaccine talk from the first two episodes that had me thinking along the lines of, I don't think they would do this unless they had some type of idea of explaining why this is the key. This is how the vaccine would work. Uh, and I'm just wondering if that's the direction that they're going, but I'm super into that thought. Shout out Nick for sparking that uh, idea. But we're we're certainly going to get Ashley Johnson in the finale. I'm really excited for that, um, because you know meta- metaphors. In a way, she you know she created this character of Ellie in a lot of ways, along with Neil, obviously. Um, interested to see what insights. So on when when I was going through the game. So actually, this is um, this is something that you can gain more insight and lore from during this section of the game where you're controlling Ellie in winter, you can pull out her backpack and she has some different things. So a, she has Sam's robot. Uh, B she has Riley's fire apply pendant, which again, not in the show for some reason. Uh, C she has this letter, which is like splotched with blood from her mom. And the, the, the main takeaway I had from the letter was just that she was like, this life is hard, but the thing you have to remember is life is worth living. You have to find something to fight for and, and keep going with it. You're going to make me proud, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and she also talks about how like, she doesn't even like babies or, or kids. And yet she's just mesmerized holding Ellie, which, um, but so I, I think we're going to see some of those. They're probably going to find a way to try and honor some of those personality traits, which I think Ashley Johnson will easily be able to do just knowing Ashley Johnson. And again, I've been talking about this for a while. I think that they're going to have a very interesting portrayal of these two very different choices that both Marlene and Joel come to in the finale. And they're going to back that up with a lot of these uh, Anna flashbacks or, or you're probably just gonna be one flashback but they're gonna back it up with this big thing and with this promise and then willing to kill a kid for the greater good that she believes in and then obviously joel willing to kill everybody else for the kid uh, and i think it's going to be such an interesting mirrored dichotomy of those two i think what they've done in general is just made this feel like it's more of a debate than i think it like 
maybe not, maybe that's not the right wording, but like in the game, like you kind of know that you're making the wrong choice, but you're making the choice you want. And like, it's a selfish choice, but like you want Ellie alive. I think that they're trying to lay it out as more like rationalized in the show. And, but I'll, I'll be interested to see these kind of Marlene flashbacks and if that plays into it at all. And, uh, just learning more about Marlene's going to be interesting and see if they show kind of her journey across the country and things like that. But I'm also, I mean, Troy Baker got a pretty big role. So, I mean, Ashley Johnson's going to be pretty involved, I would imagine, as well. So I'm just excited to see the role she plays in this next episode, too. It's, man, this is going to be a doozy of a finale. <laughs> Also, got to keep in mind, and again, we're, we were surprised by this. I believe this is the shortest episode of the season, um, which means yeah. it is going to be tight. And I, th- I think that, you know, in some ways could raise the raise the, the ceiling of this episode of if they if they nail it and they crush it and it's a, like a tight whatever, 45 minutes um, could be really memorable. Uh, I think I think no matter what, it's going to be very memorable because of the obviously huge decision that Joel makes and the actions he does to follow up on that decision. Um, I, th- I think it's going to hit harder, obviously when he kills Marlene, uh, that's I think going to be like the, the linchpin of the episode basically. And I'm just super excited to, I can't tell you how excited I am to watch people's reactions to it. I need to go catch up on reactions for this one just because I haven't, haven't had time yet, obviously, but <laughs> It's going to be, I mean, I think we've mentioned this specifically, but that very final like conversation between the two of them is going to be fascinating too. And like, I think it's going to be more almost heartbreaking to watch Joel just lie straight to her face, but it's going to be a very interesting. Oh, straight to Ellie's face. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I was thinking Marlene. I was like, it didn't. No, yeah. Joel lying straight to Ellie's face at the end. And then Ellie's like her just saying, okay, I know we've mentioned it, but how she says that is going to be super interesting. I, I am fascinated by how I'm going to feel after this and how everybody else is going to feel, because this is like, I'm not ready. I want to keep doing these and, you know, having episodes to talk about. It's going to be a bummer that, um, we're not going to have any more. It's going to um, be a, a hell of a episode to end on, at least our re- episode reviews, because this is set up to be one incredible finale, I think. For sure. One uh, thing I found from playing the game, which was fun, was when I failed in my stealth on, on one attempt and got macheted by David. It just it has almost like the same and granted. Part of this is I, I don't I can't say for sure if this was in the original version of the game or if this was like remake but i think it was it just says don't attack david head on which of course makes you think of the iconic fight near the end of the last of us 2 where again spoilers for the last of us 2 all right i gave him five seconds where you're abby and you're fighting ellie and oh, if yeah. you if you go up on her it says this it has the same warning don't attack ellie head on god what a memorable fucking boss fight that was um Again, we like Last of Us too. In case you hadn't figured it out yet, but I didn't. That's an interesting connection. I didn't think of that, but there's a whole series of podcasts we could do talking about uh, what season two could hold. But 
for sure. We have one more week of season one and surely a lot to discuss after that. So yeah. And and then just the one other thing I was just going to say, I mentioned, obviously we talked about Bella and the dark side, but I, I tried not to go too far of, of being like, I'm so much more in because it's going to be more fun to see how she, you know, how they do this in part two. But obviously Ellie's dark side is much more relevant in part two than it is in part one. And you're going to need to sell people on that. Uh, and yeah. not only like I talked about before, you have to be scared of her, but you also have to be rooting for her. Um, and, and last of us too, I think one of the biggest challenges in it, maybe I think I'm more concerned about this than, than you are, but one of the biggest challenges is you have to be rooting for her for a good long while to go on this vengeance mission, which is obviously a bad idea. Um, and I'm very interested to see how they pull that off, but I, I'm much more excited for it now than I was 48 hours ago, having seen that side of Bella's performance. Yeah, this uh, I think they did a better job, at least right now, of showing a dark side to Ellie through Bella. 100%. Than they did, yeah, than they did through uh, the game. So it certainly sets up for a more, maybe more believable. I don't, not that it wasn't believable in game two, but like you understand it's there more, maybe. And obviously, and, they have the benefit of foresight in this regard, right? Of, yeah. of like, they, you know, Neil might not have known how dark he was going to take Ellie in part two when he was doing part one. I don't know. Do we see Abby? In- yes. Oh, that's a, that's a good call. I want to talk about the two. Yes, I I, I think we do. Um, or at the very least, you know, we might not get, you know, similar similar to like a Nina thing. It might be where we might we might get a name drop. Or we might get, would they do a name drop or would they want to, hmm, if they did a name drop, they sort of give, actually, I take it back now that I'm thinking about it. Cause they sort of, it's sort of like a whole deal of suspense, right? Where you're like, who is Abby? What, like, what, who the fuck are they? So I think they might do a name drop of like the doctor. Yeah. And then maybe you see Abby, but you don't realize it until yeah. next season. So well, we could we could we could basically see that Marlene Jerry conversation that they show in part two, but maybe they wouldn't do that. Maybe they, again, I'm very interested to see. We'll have plenty of time to discuss this. I'm very interested to see how closely they follow the structure of The Last of Us Part Two in the show, because they could do it the same or they could do it way different. Uh, and I'm I'm very interested to see what they do. It's going to be a lot to talk about after next week, regardless of what happens. We're excited for it. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. We appreciate you guys that have still stuck with us uh, through this episode. It, it went really long, but this was a an incredible episode that we had a lot of thoughts on. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for following on Twitter, leaving the ratings, leaving the reviews, all of that stuff. It, it's been a uh, a huge help. Tom said we don't really know what we're going to do after uh, the season ends because we weren't expecting this level of support. So we want to keep it going. If you guys have ideas about things you want us to discuss, let us know. I was going to say that. Yeah, I've been making a running list. So if you guys have anything you want to add to that, let us know and we will uh, we'll continue Ooh. discussing that. But thank you guys for all the support. We have one more episode, and it's going to be a doozy, and uh, we'll be back next week to discuss that. So for Tom, this is Jacob signing off. Have a great one, everybody.